It is good to be back. Thank you for having me back. Um, yeah, like Josiah said, used to be on staff here. And um, I think the, one of the coolest things about this place is it feels like family. Um, and for that, my wife, our family is just so grateful for even just what God's doing here. How you doing? Um, but I think that all, you know, is a result of the leader. Um, Pastor Kurt is one of those special people, and I think the word that comes to mind for, for Pastor Kurt is just faithful. He's been so faithful for so long, and as a result, I know I've been better um, because of his leadership. He's really poured into me over the years. This staff, Dr. Dan, Josiah, Allie, down the list. Um, yeah, I feel like just God has used this place to uh, make a difference in my life, and so for that, I'm super grateful. So thanks for having me back. Um, our family is growing. I'm joined by my wife, who's in the very, very back where the non-spiritual people sit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, our daughter's here as well. She is 18, 19 months, somewhere in there. It gets a little confusing in, in that range, but uh, we are pregnant with our second baby girl that's due next month. Thank you. Someone told me this is when the gray hairs start to form, when you start to have two girls instead of one. So I'm waiting for those. I don't know how it happened. I feel like my wife pulled a quick one on me, but I'm the only male in the house now, including our dogs. Our dogs are also females too. So I don't know how that happened, but we're rolling with it. And we are so excited for uh, baby girl number two. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go ahead and jump into the message today. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for renovation. Thank you for this family. Uh, God, it's so special being here, being back. God, I ask through your words um, in Scripture today that you would speak directly to us. Holy Spirit, would you uh, meet us where we're at? Would you convict our hearts, our minds? Um, would you speak through me today to uh, just edify your people? And so, God, we lift up this time to, get to you. We love you and praise you. And everyone said, amen. Have you, ever, have you ever avoided someone before? You ever avoided someone? Like you knew you were supposed to have a conversation with somebody. Deep down, you're, you're, they're heading toward you maybe, and you just decided to, to bow out and go the other way. Has that ever happened to you before? So we've got some new next door neighbors that moved in in May. They're from California. And, and, and so we, we went over and, and met them and uh, got to know them a little bit uh, just briefly. But the thing about our neighborhood, which I might relate to your neighborhood, is that our neighborhood is filled with people who stay to themselves. The type of people that they get home from work, they pull their car all the way into the, the garage and they shut it behind them because they're not looking for any interaction. And what I found when I first moved in, I wanted to be the good neighbor. So I wanted to be the friendly neighbor. And so I was out trying to catch people in between them, trying to pull all the way into their garage. But then I realized, I'm like, man, what's with our neighbors? You know, usually there's one over-friendly weird neighbor and I just haven't met them yet. How many of you know when, when there's not an, another overly friendly neighbor, you are the overly friendly neighbor? And so 
I, I realized, man, our neighborhood's not really interested in, in, in talking and in, in friendship. And so I started to kind of shrink back a little bit. I started to kind of adapt the culture of our neighborhood and I wasn't as friendly as I used to be. I wouldn't go out of my way to have these conversations. Well, over the summer, um, I, I would see my neighbor every once in a while, but I would just kind of try to stay to myself and, and maybe just head into my garage and kind of stay away from him a little bit. But what I realized what was happening is that he and his girlfriend and his dad, they were actually looking to get plugged into our neighborhood, but the reality was, was no one was reaching out to him. And so I remember I, I had a long day. I'm a youth pastor serving the Lord, chasing these youth around, right? Preaching the gospel to them. And I just wanted to just hang out and rest and spend time with my daughter in the backyard. And so I was in the backyard, I was watching her. And over the back fence, my neighbor and I made that awkward, weird eye contact. Where you know you saw each other, but no one wants to admit, right? And so I kind of just looked away, trying to avoid the situation. And we've got a little bit larger of a bush, and I tried to just kind of pop behind that and hide from him a little bit. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. What's happening here? Well, he took the initiative, and he walked over to the wall, and he said, hey, Jeff, is, is that you? To which I stepped out from the bush again. Hey, man, I didn't see you there. Good to see you. How's everything been? And so I walked over and I had a conversation with him and his family was in the backyard and I was just asking him, hey, how are you guys adjusting to Arizona? I know that's a big move coming from California. How are you guys adjusting? And he said, you know, man, it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough. Arizona is just different from where we're from in California, where I just feel like everyone here isn't as friendly and doesn't go out of their way to meet different people. And so to be honest with you, it's been pretty lonely. It's been tough to get plugged in and meet friends and you know, have people, have a community that we can reach out to. And I realized in this moment, I just felt that conviction that I had been avoiding someone that God had placed right next door to me for such a time as this, to be that friend to, the, to, our, to our next door neighbors. But I had been shrinking back. I had been avoiding them on purpose. I think it's interesting as believers, we know what we're supposed to do. We know we're the hope of the world. We know we have this message about Jesus that changes lives. But I think a lot of times you and I, whatever the excuse may be, we, we shrink back instead of step into those moments that we know are from God. What I've realized is that uh, these divine appointments are, are around us every day and they're disguised as those inconveniences in your day to day. A lot of times they come at the moment when you are tired when you're stressed out, when you're in a hurry, when you feel like, man, you don't have a moment to stop and have a conversation with someone, but God is asking us to be obedient in those moments and to reach out and to step out of our comfort zone so that we can be a friend to someone who is desperately in need. If we're being honest, there's some, there's some people that we might even have prejudice against. We might look at someone and be like, ah, God, I don't know if I could have a conversation with that person. I don't know if I could talk to that 
person. I don't know if that person is even interested in having a conversation about you, God. And we almost hide behind this barrier of, man, they're so much different, or they might not even be interested in what I have to say, and we hide behind that. But a lot of times, those are the people that are desperately in need of the good news of Jesus. Those people who we might think that are so far gone that are so maybe disinterested in, in, in Jesus, a lot of times I've seen that those people are, are the, the people most hungry for him. And so really God is asking us, he's putting people on our heart and in our lives to step out and have conversations about him, even if it means going to that person and having the conversation. Someone who modeled this so well is Jesus. Jesus was constantly crossing barriers and breaking societal rules to go and have an encounter and a conversation with these people. He constantly, he didn't live by the rules of society, but he lived by his own rules. And he a lot of times went to the people that were the most jeopardized, the people that were outcasts, the people that no one was looking to have these conversations with. And Jesus modeled what it looks like to talk to these people. If you're taking notes, you can take down the big idea for tonight. God, tonight, geez, I'm already living for tonight apparently, today. God asks us to bring the good news of Jesus to the people and the places we wanna avoid. He asks us to bring the good news to the people and the places that we wanna avoid. In our scripture today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter four. John chapter four. Jesus is in his uh, ministry right now and he, he is traveling with his followers uh, from Judea all the way up to Galilee. And on this journey, uh, he would have to decide the route to take. And, and, and the route that he would have taken, the most efficient route would have been to go through Samaria. But the problem with Samaria is that the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. It all comes from uh, in their history when, when the people of God were split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was captured by the Assyrian Empire. And as a result, the Assyrian Empire moved in uh, different people groups and settlers to come into that northern kingdom and to keep the peace and cultivate the land. And as a result, some of the Jewish people began to intermingle and intermarry, creating this mixed race called the Samaritans. Now, the, the, the devout Jews saw that as an act of betrayal. They saw that as, man, you are, are giving in to the enemy and you're now starting to live away from God's law and now you're stepping in and living into a completely different culture. And as a result, this bitter uh, hatred formed toward the Samaritan people. And so what, what was happening in Jesus's day is people would literally make their trip longer so that they could completely avoid Samaria. And they were walking back then so that you really had to go out of your way a couple more days to avoid this people group and this place. But as we know, Jesus models there's a, there's a different way to live. There's a different kingdom that we're gonna abide by. And in, in my kingdom, we go to the people and places that we wanna avoid because that's who I am. That's what I've come to do. 
is to cross those barriers, to create a new people group. And, 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 and so he, he takes this journey with his disciples and they go through Samaria. Uh, you know, it's about a 30 mile, uh, 30 mile trip to Samaria, which probably means Jesus, unless he's Iron Man, broke it up into two days walking. And so he finally comes to this well. He finally comes to this well. After a long journey, he's tired, and he, and he has this encounter with this woman. Now, if you want to catch me at my worst, catch me after I've been traveling for a long time. That, man, I, I don't know about you, but after a long day of traveling or a long day of work, man, I'm just trying to sit back. I'm trying to relax. And it would have been so easy for Jesus just to let this woman come and go in her daily routine, but he chose to be intentional and to have this conversation with her. Uh, if you have your Bibles, John 4, we're gonna pick up in uh, verse seven. Verse seven. So the disciples went in to get food after the journey and leaving Jesus at this well. And he has this encounter with this woman. Look what it says in verse seven. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you, everyone say, living water. Living water. So you see what's happening here is, is Jesus is doing what he often does. Is he uses an example from daily life. He uses this example of, of water, drawing water. And he begins to talk about it from a spiritual standpoint. Talking about how he has living water. And if this woman knew who she was speaking to, the Messiah, the savior of the world, the chosen one that they have been waiting for for such a long time, she would realize that he has something different to offer. And so as we jump into the conversation, I want you to pick up on this dynamic here with these two. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he enjoyed and his sons and his animal enjoyed? Jesus replies. So she, she's, she's making it about the physical water. Jesus is talking about spiritual water. Check what he says in verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is talking about this living water, the living water that he gives that quenches the, the thirst of our soul that is on the inside of us. Talks about when you receive this living water, himself, who he is, the essence of what he's come to do. When we receive this on the inside of us, it changes us from the inside out. The things that we're longing for, the things that we're looking for of this world that we, can, we, we feel like can never, we can, can never quench our thirst, can never satisfy us. Jesus is saying, if you knew me, 
This relationship with me, that's what you're looking for. That's what satisfies. And so this is how she responds. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water and then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. So she's still thinking from a physical standpoint. She's like, that'd be nice. I don't have to come to this well. I don't have to come get up some water to, to quench my thirst and my family's thirst. I'll take it, right? And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. And so now Jesus transitions. And this is sometimes where it seems like Jesus is a little harsh. But what he's doing here is he addresses her brokenness. He addresses her soul thirst. She's been trying to, to, to receive some sort of satisfaction on her soul through, through, through the men in her life, through the relationships. And she hasn't been able to find that. So Jesus now directs the conversation and it becomes real. And they start to dig into some of the brokenness on the inside of her. And this is what, this is what he says. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Uh-oh, it's getting real. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So it seems harsh, right? It seems harsh that Jesus is bringing up this pain point in her life. But the reality is, is we don't know how good the gospel is and what Jesus has done for us if we don't acknowledge our own brokenness and our sin. Because without acknowledging that, there is no good news. We don't realize that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have made mistakes and failures and, and we we've, we've have this brokenness on the inside of us that we can't fix and that no one else can fix either. And nothing in this world can fix that. No matter how much money we try to accumulate, we'll still have that longing on the inside of us. Relationship-wise, man, you might have the best girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, but they can't complete you. Only Jesus completes you. And it's by what he's done on the inside of us and through his life and his death and his re resurrection that we can find this living water. We can find that satisfaction on the inside of us. So he's directing her there, not to be mean, but to show us the reality of our human condition, that we can't fix ourselves. We can't save ourselves. And she's gonna try to jump into this theological debate to try to de deter the detention off of her and make it more about a spiritual conversation than her own brokenness. But Jesus sees right through it. I, I love this, this woman and you can read this at home. I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase for a second. But when Jesus brings up this situation in her life where she's been going after guys, trying to find satisfaction and worth in these guys, she realizes the brokenness on her own soul and she does what a lot of us do. She tries to get the attention off of, a, off of herself and onto something else. My daughter Blakely is so good at this. Whenever she's in trouble, we'll say, hey Blakely, you're not supposed to be doing this. She realizes in a moment, she stares at us, she looks at something, she goes, that, that, dad, dad, that. I'm like, oh, girl, I know what you're trying to do. That's not going to work. You're not supposed to be in the dog area. You know what I mean? And so she tries to shift the attention off herself. And that's what this lady does. She tries to bring it into this debate, this theological debate about where the proper place is to worship. 
Now, again, there's some history associated with that. Basically, the, the Samaritans uh, created their own place to worship so that they didn't have to go down into the southern kingdom. They didn't have to go to Jerusalem to be able to worship there, um, it, which the Jews thought was the proper place to worship. And so Jesus says, listen, number one, you Samaritans don't really know your theology very well, okay? But number two, there's a time that's coming. Actually, it's here now that the proper place of worship, that's not gonna define your righteousness. It, it, that's not gonna matter anymore where you go to worship because it's gonna be about me. It's gonna be about God's spirit living on the inside of you. And when we have that relationship with God, he gives us that spirit on the inside of us. That's what it's about. So it doesn't matter where you go to worship, you're gonna have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and that's how you're gonna worship. Whether you go to this church or that church or you're singing terribly in your car to Maverick City music, doesn't matter where you worship, but you're gonna worship in spirit, with God's spirit, and truth, scripture. And that's what Jesus, and the, the truth about who he is, and that's what Jesus talks about. So we're gonna pick up and look what she says in verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. She's like, listen, this is all confusing, but when the Messiah gets here, he'll break it down, right? Jesus tells her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I'm the one that you're looking for. The one that gives living water. The one that is the answer to your soul's problem. Yes, you've been out. You've been looking for a way to find satisfaction and self-worth, belonging, acceptance. You're not gonna find that anywhere else besides me. So she has, he has this moment with this woman this encounter and this one encounter changes everything for this woman. What's funny is the disciples, they come back from their food run, grabbing their pita jungle, getting their pita bread, their, their hummus, their fish. I don't know what they brought back, but they got their food run. And they see this moment happening. And they have this why her moment. Why her? They're, they're freaked out that Jesus is having this conversation with a Samaritan and a woman. There, 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 there are two barriers there that Jesus had to cross. Samaritans that the Jews hated, and she was a woman, which they were like second-class citizens, women were. And so Jesus said, you know what? I'm gonna throw out those societal rules, and I'm gonna meet you where you're at, because this is the will of the Father is that you would know me. You would know, have an encounter with the Savior that's gonna change everything for you. So I don't care what I'm supposed to do or not supposed to do. Jesus said, you know what? That doesn't matter because there's a new kingdom. We're gonna live by a new set of rules. We're gonna go to the people and the places that we wanna avoid, but because these people are hurting, God is gonna lead us to them so that they can have an encounter with him. Jesus didn't avoid her. Jesus didn't, wasn't here to live by society's rules, and we shouldn't either. Whatever excuses Jesus had, he threw them out the window. I don't know what excuses you're making this morning, but who are we to live into those excuses? Who are we to live by society's rules? Who are we not to step into those moments and be the hope for humanity, the light 
to this world in those moments. Yeah, it might be against the rules in your life, but you're, sitting, you're living by a different set of rules. So who are those people in your life that are desperately hurting and broken and are in need of our Savior? Can you be the one that brings it to them? Can you bring the hope of Jesus to them? Maybe it's in your workplace and you're like, your boss is like, you better not talk about faith in this workplace. Okay, we'll see, we'll see. Maybe it's, man, I, I've never met my neighbors before and it might be weird and it might be awkward. God's asking you, can you, bring, can you bring the good news to those people? Can you get out of your comfort zone? Can you start to have these conversations? Because whoever that person is in your life, they were created in the image of God. And God's asking you, they need to, they need to hear about me. Can you be the one that has that conversation, that gets over yourself and over your excuses and can step into those moments. God's asking each and every one of us to be bold and courageous and spirit-led in our day-to-day -day lives. I think even for me, what I've realized is that it's so easy for me as a pastor to hide behind my job and make that the excuse of why I can't share the gospel in my day-to-day -day life. But God, I'm doing it with these youth on Sunday nights. Like, I am sharing the gospel. He's like, cool. Can you share with your neighbor? I, but God, God, I'm tired. I do this. All. Cool. Can you trust me? Can you step out in faith? Because I guarantee I have something so beautiful and amazing on the other side of your comfort zone. You got to trust me. You got to watch how I work through you. It'll change you from the inside out. I'll tell you this much. Yes, it's cool being able to meet these youth where they're at, but God's been working on the inside of me and challenging me and testing me and working and giving me the courage to step into these moments. And man, I, I was freaked out. I'm like, man, I don't wanna be the weird guy. I don't wanna be the awkward guy. But God's saying, get over yourself. Get over your insecurities because I have something so much better for you to step into. So I don't care if you're in the barbershop. I don't care if you're, you're in the neighborhood and your neighbors like to pull in with their cars and shut the garage door. Be the weird, overly friendly person. Hello. Because you never know what's gonna come from these moments. You never know what conversations God's gonna lead you into. Because one thing that I've realized in my life, if God's placed someone on my heart, he's working on theirs. He's working on theirs. And so we need to be the ones that bring the good news. No matter who says we shouldn't or shouldn't have these conversations, or man, you shouldn't talk to that person because man, they're too far gone. We need to be the ones that step out like Jesus did in this situation. The disciples come back. They're like, Jesus, why her? Why are you having this moment with her? But I love what scripture says. It said no one had the nerve to ask Jesus, right? Jesus knows what he's doing, y'all. I think that was the moment of conviction for those disciples. They realized, man, why hurt Jesus? You shouldn't be, oh, hmm. Maybe, maybe we should be following his example. Maybe we, should, maybe we should be doing what he's doing right now. They didn't have the nerve. And as a result, they came back. The moment breaks up and check out what, what, what happens next. This is crazy. The woman runs into her village. 
And she starts, she starts saying, come and see a man who's told me everything. She runs into her village, leaves her jar, and starts telling anyone and everyone who will listen. I love that. She's so passionate. She has this one encounter with Jesus, and she tells everyone that, that, that'll listen. I don't know about you, but this is, this, is, this is so inspiring, but so convicting at the same time. Here's this woman with bad theology, just had this moment, one encounter with Jesus who, who changed everything in her life. And now she's the first person to run and tell everyone about him. Come and see him. Come and see what he's done in my life. One thing I've noticed is that a lot of times newer believers just have this passion and this energy. Like, I don't even care, man. I was jacked up. I was screwed up. I was going this way. But because of Jesus, I'm now going this way. And, and man, they, I, I've heard some people share the gospel with some swear words, and it gets ugly. Like, I'm like, yo, that, I don't know if you can say that when sharing the gospel, but it doesn't matter. They're just so excited about what God's doing in their life. And this should be an example for us. Where have we lost it? Where have we lost the passion and the excitement? The, the, the urgency to share Jesus with the people around us. Because here's the reality. With everything going on in our world today, people are looking for hope. People are looking for someone to be loving and kind. And we know that we don't get this kindness and this love from ourselves. Come and see. Come and see. Because when you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out, when you allow his love and what he's done for you to change you to the very core of your being, his love begins to flow through you. And people are like, man, there's something different about them. There's something so different about them. Why with everything going on, their circumstance, what they're struggling through, man, I, I know their family, how do they have this hope? How do they have this peace that surpasses their, their, their circumstance? How do they have that? Where does that come from? And we know the answer. That's a perfect opportunity to point them to the Savior of the world. Let me tell you. Let, let me tell you what, what Jesus is doing in my life. Yeah, everything's not perfect. Yeah, I started following you. And you know what? My life actually felt like it got worse for a little bit there. But I have this peace that no one can take from me. I have this hope that, that, that isn't in my circumstance, but it's in him. The future looks bright because he's in the future. It's about him. It's about what he's done on the inside of me. Man, he's changed me. I'm different. My circumstance might have stayed the same, but I'm different. My perspective has changed. So Jesus is asking us, man, maybe even for those who have been following Jesus for a while, can you start? Can you start getting excited again about sharing Jesus? Can you start living spirit-led and allowing God's spirit to lead you to the people that he wants you to share the good news with? Let, let, let's stop, let's get away from avoiding people because of our different excuses or our societal rules and let's start stepping into these moments because you never know what type of ripple effect it's gonna have on that person's life. Check out what happens in, in verse 39. It says this, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything that I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. 
Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you told us, but because we've heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Revival breaks out in this village because this woman had an encounter with Jesus and she had the boldness and the passion to run into the village and tell everyone. Because Jesus didn't live by our societal rules, he had this encounter with this woman who meets him and as a result is changed in a moment and then begins to just tell everyone. And the good news of the kingdom of God starts to spread like wildfire. This is what I want to close with here. I got, I got two things for you, maybe three. Um, the first thing, no one is off limits to Jesus. No one. No matter how far gone they seem, they're not off limits. Because in a moment, Jesus can change their life and they can be going down this road of brokenness and turn and come all the way over here to be used by him in amazing ways. So because no one's off limit to Jesus, no one should be off limits to us. let's Let's not look at people's brokenness and allow that to hold us back from bringing Jesus to them. Like I said, some, some, most of the times I've seen, those are the most hungry people for him. They just need to hear about it. Will you share it with him? The second thing is Jesus uses the most unlikely people to, to, to bring them back to him, to share and to, to bring people back to who he is. Jesus uses me. Jesus uses you. Yo, we know how jacked up we are. We know what our lives look like before Jesus. But as he begins to work in and through us, man, he uses everyday, regular people. Sometimes the most unlikely. Man, I'm the receptionist. Perfect. You got people coming in all day long. Can you have a conversation? Jeff, you you don't know what I do for work. It's tough. You know the environment, man. The people in my office, I don't even think they're interested in having this conversation. Time for you to start. Time for you to have that that conversation because watch how Jesus works through you in your workplace, in your place of influence. You have a conversation and you pray for someone, you encourage someone, watch how he begins to use you where those people are gonna start paying attention. They're They're gonna look at your life and be like, man, I knew there was something different about them before. But then they start opening up. They start sharing their story of what God's done in their life. And it's impacted me. It's impacted me. Man, whatever peace you're living by, whatever, whatever love that you have in your life, whatever's changing you, I want some of that. I, I need some of that because my life is jacked up. This is what I wanna close with. Don't let what God has done in your life stay with you. Don't let it. This living water that God has given each and every one of us, this hope, this faith, this love that's only found in Jesus, don't let that stay with you. We were never meant to be uh, reservoirs. We're meant to be rivers. Don't let it stay with you. You and I need to be the ones sharing, man, God healed my aunt. She was in the hospital, God healed her. Or maybe, man, I've been suffering from mental health for such a long time, but God's been working on me. I'm not through the woods yet, but he's meeting me where I'm at. He's giving me hope to get through my day. Man, he's showing me uh, ways I can be thankful. He's showing up for me in the darkest places. Man, he can show up for you too, because that's who he is. That's who he is. 
So I don't know what God is doing in your life today or what he's done in the past, but don't just keep that to yourself because people need to hear it. Even you might be one of those people that's like, man, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't have a cool story. I, I mean, God has, has, has worked in my life, but you know, I, I don't really know. Like it's not that crazy or cool or big or significant. God can still work through your story. God can work through your story. People just need to hear what God's doing in your life. I took uh, my neighbor and I, we exchanged numbers and we ended up going out uh, to watch the Monday night football game at a, at a, at a sports uh, bar down the street, had some food. It was just a good time. And we were able to just to talk and hang out. And he was asking me just about, man, you were in California for a little bit. You moved back. I'm from California. So we're connecting. And he's asking me these different questions, but I knew, God, you've brought me together in this moment to be able to talk about you. And so I knew we were talking about it and I just, God, God just, you need to share. You need to tell them. You need to talk about me. And so I just began to start opening up. It was a short story. Y'all, this is a little tip for you. Don't share your 20-minute uh, life story, okay? A lot of times people just need those short stories, okay? A couple minutes here and there about what God's doing in your life. No, but I began to share with him about, I just said, dude, Jesus has changed my life. Yeah, I was in business and I was chasing things and it was great and all this stuff, but I didn't have a relationship with God. But God used that period of my life to have an encounter with him, changed me from the very core of my being, changed me from the inside out. Now Jesus has changed my life. Dude, you'll never believe it. I now work for a church. How crazy is that, right? Like I never even thought that was a thing, right? Like I didn't even think God could use me in that way, but he's using me and I'm just trusting him, dude, and he's changing my life. We had this moment. He's like, dude, I thought I was gonna be the weird guy opening up, sharing all that stuff. He's like, dude, that's, thank you for sharing your story. Like, I just feel like there's a reason God has us out here. And I don't know fully what that looks like yet. Like I grew up Catholic and I'm still trying to figure out this faith thing. But dude, could you, could you like start walking with me through it? Could you invite me to church? Like, I wanna come check it out. I wanna come check out what you do. And it turned into such a cool moment where I was able to break down the gospel for him, watching Monday night football. And it was just this moment where it was like, God, okay, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. God, forgive me. For, for, for not having the courage at first to step out in this moment because God, you blew my mind. And so now I feel like I'm in this place where I'm like, man, I don't care. I'll be the weird guy. I just desperately want people to know Jesus. I just want them to have this encounter with him and have their lives changed forever, man. Even if we have awkward eye contact over the back wall, man, like I'm stepping into that moment because that's, that's how God can use us to make an impact in people's lives and for the kingdom, y'all. So who's that person in your life? Who has God put on your heart today? What's the place that you know deep down that God's asking you to be faithful in? Because man, you might step, you might step up, you might share the gospel, it might not go your way. And you're like, man, that was a train wreck. But God might be using you to plant seeds in that person's life. But at the end of the day, you can stand before him and say, I was faithful. I was obedient to the moment that God called me into. So can you be faithful? Can you be obedient? 
I want us just to take a second as I close in prayer. I want you just to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to put someone or a place on your heart to be a light, to share the good news of Jesus, to share what he's doing in your life. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you go to the people in places that we want to avoid. God, I ask that you give us a Holy Spirit boldness to share you with those people in our life, in that place. Holy Spirit, I pray that those moments that, 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 that you want us to step into, God, I pray that you give us the courage, the obedience, the words to say. God, that we wouldn't shy away from those moments, but God, we would step boldly into them, knowing that you're gonna work through us you're gonna meet those people right where they're at. God, I ask that you would use this church. You would use these people in here in their workplaces, in their day-to-day lives. God, to share your good news with those around them. God, that those who are hungry for you, that maybe are far off from you, God, they would come close to you again. And God, we would see revival there would be a ripple effect through our workplaces, a ripple effect through our schools, ripple effect through our neighborhoods, God. Use us mightily during this time to be the light of the world. God, we give uh, this day to you. We give our lives to you. We surrender. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would consume us and lead us to these people. We love you and we praise you. And everyone said, amen, amen.